Duke fans, welcome to episode 499 of the DBR podcast. This is the episode, to some extent, we've been waiting for all year. Because this is the episode where the NCAA bracket has been revealed, and we're going to talk about our thoughts about Duke's seed and who we're playing and who we're matched up against, how the ACC did, which teams got overseeded, which teams got underseeded, who got snubbed, and who got lucky. We're going to bring it all to you. I am Jason Evans. I'll be your host on your journey today. Joining me, as always, Sam Klein and Donald Wine. Sam, there's something new about your setup, I believe. Uh, yeah, I'm uh, in a hotel room, which, uh, you know, is is fun, I guess. I'm on a work trip this week, so I am I'm out of town today. I'll be back Thursday morning in time for the regular games to start. Uh, so I'll, 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 have, I'll have a decent setup, at least, for the first weekend of the tournament. Yeah, I, I believe we don't yet know the time that Duke is playing on Thursday. That's right. That is, has not been announced yet. It's fairly likely, folks, by the time you uh, are listening to this podcast, that you will know what time Duke will be playing on Thursday. But just full disclosure, we don't know we that don't know. yet. We don't know, yeah. Yeah, and uh, the other man in the room here with us is Donald Wine. Donald, still out in Vegas, baby? Yeah, so Sam is in a hotel room. That makes two of us. I'm in my hotel room here at Planet Hollywood. Uh, yeah, this is the best time of the year. So I'm ready to get, get going. Let's talk about where Duke is going. And it seems like Duke is going south, yes. then east. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So the Blue Devils end up as the number five seed in the east region. They will have a first round match with Oral Roberts. And, and this is one you know, one of the things about being a five is that you get those 5-12 matchups. And those 5-12 matchups are always scary. Uh, a lot of people think the four and the five aren't that different. I, I I, I do not like the five twelve matchups, and and Oral Roberts is going to be a test, gentlemen. Uh, let's initially do this. Let's discuss Duke's five seed, and I'll start by saying I think we are robbed. I think it's ridiculous. Duke should absolutely be a four. I don't know how the NCAA selection committee put Virginia as a four and made Duke a five. Uh, if if you paid attention to the news, you knew that Duke beat Virginia twice, even though officially they only beat they they split. But their most recent outing on a neutral floor, Duke was clearly the better team. There's little question which team is playing better down the stretch. If you look at the full, even if you look at the full body of work, I think Duke's body of work is better than Virginia's. Most of the advanced metrics say that Duke is better than Virginia. I don't get it, but Duke's a five. Sam, what's your feeling on that? I can't imagine that when we, we know that the selection committee doesn't consider the recency of your uh, of your achievements it, it is a it is a full look at the resume so we Which, know it's... by the way is is a little bit absurd the notion that a game in november counts as much as a game in march doesn't make much sense to me if you're trying to pick the best teams and put together the best bracket but continue anyway that, that that's what it is but to your second and and so i agree that duke has been better uh, as of late especially given that they beat virginia just 2 days ago or 1 day ago but uh, also looking at their resume, I wonder the same thing, especially because uh, Virginia's got a quad three loss and and Duke does not. And when you look at predictive metrics, when you look at the net rankings, uh, Duke scores out much better than Virginia does sort of across the board. So I'm not sure how this happened. That being said, the thing that I was more looking for, like I, I see that, that Duke gets Oral Roberts and that Oral Roberts is probably better than you know, your average 12 seed in, in terms of their predictive metrics yeah. this season. But 
I look at the fact that Duke and Virginia are playing in the same first round city. So if they swap places, it's not like uh, things would have been any easier for like, like that much easier for Duke in terms of logistics. I also strongly prefer the possibility that if Duke gets through Oral Roberts and through a Tennessee team that is down a key player, that they get to go to New York City. And when I was looking ahead, I told you last night, there is a chance that Duke beating Virginia last night means that Duke gets Greensboro and New York as its path. And, and you know, if you're the five seed, you're you're not getting any sort of preferential treatment for anything, right? You're not getting preference on your first round or your, your Sweet 16 uh, location. I'd say Orlando, New York, if John Shire likes the idea of being relatively close to home and having fans in the building, this is about as good of an outcome. The only thing better, I think, would have been Greensboro. And I guess because Kansas State took Greensboro away as a three seed, that it wasn't even available to Duke as a four. So I agree with you, Jason, that I think Duke should have been a four over a five. I don't think the impact of it is going to be that enormous when it comes to all of the sort of ancillary considerations for where Duke is placed uh, in the field. I agree with the two of you. Um, I, I think Duke being a five, I I felt like entering today, I was like, we're pretty much going to be a five. We should probably be a four. And we definitely should be a four over Virginia, who, again, we just beat yesterday and we held to under 50 points. And I think the path that we have is probably the the reward, I guess, or the consolation prize of being the five. Like you said, Sam, we get to go to Orlando. It's not Greensboro, but it's it was one of the closest places we go. Keep in mind that Kentucky is in Greensboro, so we get to avoid you know some you know hostile fan bases by going to Orlando. Virginia is not really a hostile fan base, neither is Tennessee. But then after that, getting to New York, that would be obviously the goal. We play well in New York. That'll be a home game of sorts away from home for for Duke fans by being in the Garden. We've played in the Garden so far uh, once this year. We played Iowa uh, up there. So I, I think in that regard, I think it's a consolation prize of sorts. But I agree. I think the four was there for us. And it feels like the way that the bracket shaped out, that it feels like that Virginia was a solid four and we were a solid five. And yesterday's decision or yesterday's result didn't really uh, change things between those two teams. One other interesting thing that I was looking at between Duke's path and Virginia's path is that Duke gets the opportunity, again, assuming that Duke makes it to the second weekend, which is certainly not a guarantee, but assuming that they do make it, they get to play presumably Purdue in that Sweet 16 game. Revenge. And, and I I love the idea of this version of Duke, the, the, the version that we've seen for the last four or five weeks, getting a rematch against Purdue. And <laughs> on the other side, I very much hope for the sake of watching basketball that Virginia gets to play Alabama because <laughs> what a hilarious contrast of styles it's going to be. Like Alabama just runs and runs and runs and and shoots a ton of threes. So that game will be very interesting. And, and there's a part of me that's like, I don't want any part of the Alabama story this season. I don't want to dredge up any of the stuff of Nate Oates, like talking about Duke in years past, talking about Coach K. I don't want to have to talk about the stuff that's been going on at Alabama this year. So if Virginia or San Diego State or whoever, you know what, even Maryland, I will root for Maryland to beat Alabama because I don't want them in this tournament. I don't like talking about them. And uh, so so just get them away from our, uh, <laughs> from our storyline. Yeah, I agree. And at the same time, you know, it's funny. I was talking today with some of my friends about Alabama and I was like, look, 
this team, it feels like this is going to be the storyline. And the fact that the number one overall seed means we have to hear about it. And if you were watching the game today, they, they played the SEC tournament final uh, this, today. They literally, every break would come back and say, Brandon Miller has five points. Also, Brandon Miller did all this stuff this year, or, was a, or at least was a part of this particular uh, incident this year. And it's going to be a storyline throughout the entire tournament. We get to stay far away from that. Again, I think our pods set up great. We get to avoid a lot of the hostile fan bases, which has always been a problem. And honestly, there's sometimes a little bit of pressure for Duke playing at Greensboro, right? Because we've we've had some games there that have been shaky. We've lost in Greensboro in the tournament before. And the fact that we just got done playing at Greensboro, we kind of get to get that out of our minds and, and look forward to a new site, a new logistics, a new, a new home away from home. And I think Orlando can be that for us. So uh, just to sort of close the book on this, notion of Duke as a five or a four. I, I You both agree with me that we're underseated as a five, but I think another way to look at it, and this is the way I'm choosing to look at it with the you know, rose-colored glasses, Duke, Duke blue-colored glasses, so to speak, is let's say Duke and Virginia flip-flopped because that's a pretty reasonable thing. I, In fact, I sort of would have guessed that the committee would have said, hey, here's a four in the, you know, in the South or whatever is the mid, it's the South, yeah. And here's the five in the, in the East, and the winner of the ACC will go here and the loser will go there between Duke and Virginia. That's clearly not what they did. But the way you can look at it is this way. So Duke gets Oral Roberts in the first round and Virginia gets Furman. And, and there's no question Oral Roberts is better than Furman. But in both cases, those are games that you should win. In the next round, as we mentioned, Duke's going to get Tennessee, a Tennessee team that is not the team it was a few weeks ago. Uh, a Tennessee team that has been playing much poorer and where their point guard, their leading scorer, their best player has been out for a few weeks and they haven't figured out what to do without him yet. So on the other hand, Virginia is probably going to get San Diego state and San Diego state is a really good team. They've been, they've been tough all year. Yeah. Like the predictive metrics, Ken Pomeroy and the such will tell you that San Diego state should have been a four seed, <laughs> uh, maybe even a three. So uh, that's a tough one. And then assuming you make it past all that, Duke is in a region with Purdue. We've already talked about the fact Purdue, by the way, is not playing as well as they were earlier in the year. We know that team already. And, and I am excited for Derek Lively to get a chance to go against Zach Eady. On the other hand, as you said, Virginia's in Alabama's bracket. And like Sam said, it's not just I want no part of the Alabama story. I think Alabama's a really, really good team. The other, uh, th- a couple other notes about about UVA's draw, uh, they do get the benefit of playing San Diego State in Orlando, which will, you know, favor Virginia. That's about as far as. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it, it's not ideal travel for San Diego State, but if UVA makes it through, their trip to Louisville is not that bad. But I can tell you that Louisville will be crawling with Alabama fans, assuming that they oh, are wow. there. If Duke mm-hmm. is playing in the Garden, Duke has the most fans uh, of. You know, like maybe, maybe if like UConn had gotten to the East region, but they're not, uh, nobody else that, that sort of tells me like, you know, Villanova is not, not any, it is not here. Uh, UConn's not here. Syracuse isn't here. Like, like these other sort of Northeast teams that have big followings, uh, they're not going to New York. So, uh, I, I, I feel like Duke is, is more nervous about the ways in which it can trip up in the first weekend. And then the second weekend, it's like, they get there. Uh, they've got to feel like like they've got sort of the the home court advantage. And by the way, if you asked me six weeks ago, 
how good of a draw I think Duke is going to get. This is pretty awesome. Um, so maybe maybe Duke feels slighted a little bit. I think in the grand scheme, uh, I, I feel I feel pretty good about the fact that that despite all the challenges this season, Duke's path still goes through the East Regional. Well, and I, I had a good friend, my friend Jonathan. I've mentioned him before, who who said prior to the bracket being revealed, he was like, per, he goes, the teams I want, Purdue, Purdue, Purdue. And I said, the teams I want, Tennessee, Tennessee, Tennessee. And Duke gets both of those. So assuming we get past Max uh, Abmus at, at Oral Roberts, who is a hell of a player, I, I really like where Duke stands. Donald, really quick. What about the rest of the ACC? We've obviously talked about Virginia, but uh, tell me about the rest of the ACC and what they're looking like. Yeah, so uh, let's recap all. There's five teams that made the AC, or made the NCAA tournament from the ACC. You mentioned UVA. They're the fourth seed in the South. They will play uh, 13-seed Furman. And Miami, five seed in the Midwest, so they get to go to Kansas City if they if they eventually make it to the Sweet 16. They will take on 12-seed Drake. NC, obviously, we have Duke. NC State, a lot of people talk about NC State being one of the last four teams in this tournament. They solidly make the tournament. They are, they are 11th seed in the South. They will take on six seed Creighton. And I'm sorry for people who are Creighton fans out there. I don't like that matchup for you. NC State, if if Jarkel Joyner and Turquavion Smith are uh, on fire, then that could be an 11-6 upset for some of you people filling out those brackets. And finally, Pitt, the 11th seed in the Midwest, they will be one of the last four teams in. They are in the first four. They will take on 11th seed Mississippi State. Uh, I believe that's – I don't think they set whether that's Tuesday or Wednesday, but Pitt – they were on the bubble and they got in barely. Uh, they were one of the last four teams in. I will say this for those playing Schadenfreude today, UNC, one of the first four teams out, that was the only other ACC team made. They announced that they will not accept a bid to the NIT. So their season is over. You know, it's interesting that that Carolina decided not to do that. I guess there was a lot of comments from uh, from UNC after the their exit from the ACC tournament that they feel really beat down from this season. I feel like there's a part of me. I, I, I don't know. Duke hasn't been in the in this exact position. Obviously, Duke missed the tournament a couple years ago, so it's not like we don't know the feeling of having a team that that underperforms. But well, look, part of me had, feels like had there had there been an NIT that year, Duke would have been invited. I'm I'm certain of that. But we don't know if we don't know if Duke was going to accept that and 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 Coach K didn't even have to address the issue. So but we also I'm had not... we, we also had the COVID uh outbreak that knocked us out of the ACC tournament. Then we didn't make the NCAA and it was probably because of the fact that we had that outbreak and it wasn't quite cleared yet. The so interesting that, that Carolina chooses not to go to the NIT. Part of me feels like there's a little bit of like humble pie you can serve the players by by accepting that bid, you know, the way that, that Kentucky has done a couple times. And so I'm, I'm, I'm interested in that, although I don't think we have to linger on it. One other point on the ACC's draw, uh, Jason, before I give it back to you, NC state, you mentioned Donald gets Creighton in the first round, which might be an advantage stylistically for NC state, but is not geographically, uh, Creighton right. is is coming from Omaha. NC State's coming from Raleigh, and they're playing in Denver, where they're playing at altitude. So I am sure you're going to hear if you're paying attention to Kevin Keats this week, you're going to hear him talking about that and the and the challenges it it presents. There's always wacky outcomes when they play uh, when they play these games in Denver or in Salt Lake City, Albuquerque, any of those cities that are at altitude can can present weird challenges for teams who aren't used to it. So that's going to I'm I'm nervous for NC State. Not that I care that much about them, but I'm nervous for them. Uh, playing Creighton out West. 
Well, and, and I'll say this for NC State. It, it, it's tough for them to have Creighton because Creighton is one of those teams, you may recall from the preseason, Creighton was ranked in a lot of people's top 10s. They're sort of just like Duke. They're a team that was seen as, you know, oh, top 10, top 15 kind of club. And their season was largely disappointing. And then they sort of came on a little bit late in the year. I, I feel like they are a team that they're, they're a very veteran team, very experienced with a very, very experienced coach. I feel like they're one of these teams that if you're going to look for a somewhat lower seed to to pick to, to make a little bit of a run, Creighton is a really good pick for that. And so that makes it really tough for NC State, obviously. I think this is a very, very talented Creighton team. And then back to UNC really quick, Sam. I, I mentioned this on the, on the Duke Basketball Reports forums. I, I think Carolina should have accepted the bid to the NIT, and then they should have ran out a lineup that featured – Dontrez Styles and Seth Trimble and DeMarco Dunn. I, I'm not saying this as a penalty to Caleb Love and and rest of, you know Armando Baycott and such, Pete Nance, not to penalize those guys, but to literally treat the NIT as, hey, let's have a look at what these guys would be like next year because Hubert did- Like a spring play- game, like a spring yeah, game exactly. in football. Hubert didn't play these guys that much during the season. And- you know, I think it'd be it'd be very interesting for UNC, you know, keep R.J. Davis because he's going to be back next year. But maybe look at what these other guys can do. Uh, you know, if you really give them some time, you know, a few days of practice, I think it could have been interesting for Carolina. Uh, I guess the downside would have been if they played well, people would be like, why the heck weren't they playing? <laughs> Hubert Davis. Uh, Hubert Davis is just done with this team. I, I'd mentioned how he looked in the press conference after the game last weekend uh, against Duke. And the fact that he just looked defeated, like the whole team kind of looked defeated. This feels like this whole team was like, yeah, let's just let's just put a wrap on this season and, and go our separate ways. So let's talk a little bit more really quick about the East bracket. Uh, Donald, I know you want to talk about this. I'm looking at it and I'm like, there are a lot of teams that are really, you know, uh, Duke's lucky we got Tennessee because the rest of the draw. I mean, Memphis just upset Houston. Marquette is a two that some people said could have been a one. Uh, you've got a Kentucky club that that sort of like Duke, you know, high expectations fell a little bit and then came on strong. This is a this is a really really tough bracket, isn't it? It is, and I think the interesting part about it is that the reason why a lot of people are saying that this bracket kind of opens up for Duke is because all these teams play each other, right? Like you mentioned, Memphis they just beat the pants off of off of Houston, a Houston that was out with without uh, Marcus Strasser, uh, but still just you know beat them in the uh, in the final. You know, they're there. FAU, a really good team. They're 13th in the net, 26th in Kempom. They it feels like a lot of these teams that are really high in in these in these rankings, the Kempom and the net, it felt like that was kind of overlooked in some of these seedings. Tennessee, I mean, you mentioned they're without you know, one of their best players, but there are four in the net and the five in Kempom. And they're a four seed. So, you know, you know, basically Kempom saying that this should have been maybe a two seed. Marquette, 12 in the net, 12 in Kempom. Michigan State always a strong team. USC kind of came on a little bit strong late. Kansas State has a couple really good players. Kentucky and Providence play each other, and I feel like I, you can't really predict what that's going to, what's going to happen there because both teams kind of underachieved but came on strong late, and they're both kind of – feels like they're reaching their peak at this point, but they have to play each other. So I think the, the long story short is with some of these teams, you know, they could pose some problems for Duke, but we don't have to face them all. And I think people, when they're filling out this bracket, they're going to realize that, hey – if Memphis or FEU is supposed to be a team that's really dangerous, we only have to face one of them 
And then they may not even make it because you have Purdue looming in the second round. So it's one of those things where if Duke plays their game, they can probably get pretty far and these chips can fall where they may only have to experience a couple of these roadblocks along the way. But make no mistake, the East is a, is a very difficult region to predict because of all of these teams that have been playing well as of late. They are all meeting each other in this tournament, and it's going to be an interesting way to kind of see how this bracket falls apart. So, so guys, we're going to have uh, much more, uh, mostly on Oral Roberts, but but on the bracket and on the draw, we're going to have our final four picks, all that other kind of stuff coming up in a couple days. We're going to take a break here. When we come back, we got to reflect a little bit more on the ACC tournament and the performance of the Blue Devils uh, winning the ACC tournament. We'll have that. Stick around. All right, we're back from the break. And I just wanted to really quickly, I know Donald and Sam aren't necessarily prepared for this, but I want to talk about the ACC tournament a little bit more. Uh, a great victory by the Blue Devils. I, I, I found a couple amazing statistics. Duke men's basketball tweeted this out. Duke's largest deficit in the ACC tournament was two points. <laughs> the total, the total amount of time the Duke was trailing in the entire ACC tournament was four minutes and 32 seconds. Uh, I'd say we dominated the tournament. The I, Duke Invitational. It it's... was, it was. <laughs> as stressful as all three of the games, or as as the Miami and the Virginia game were, the yeah, the Pittsburgh Pitt game was not stressful. Was was no. not stressful, but the <laughs> as as stressful as the Miami and the Virginia games were. Looking back on them, uh, maybe now I'm getting myself more fired up about the fact that Duke isn't a four seed after after the performance they put on over the last two days. But yeah, pretty incredible. And then and then today, uh, I, I mentioned last night that John Shire felt like he seemed like he was a bit. I don't know if it's shell shocked because that implies that it was negative, but but still just like in a state of like, what is what's happening to me uh, right after the game? He was on ESPN this evening right before we started recording and it was similarly just like like full coach speak, uh, but clearly, clearly enjoying it. Uh, he seemed to be recording from his house. So I guess they didn't have a uh, I guess they didn't have a, a party or at least if they did, he went home immediately after uh, watching the selection show with the team, because it seemed like he was at home. Uh, but uh, yeah, pretty, uh, pretty amazing. So the other thing I wanted to mention about the ACC tournament was they've announced the the all tournament teams, first team and second team, all tournament teams. I'll just lay it out for you very quickly. Kyle Filipowski, of course, on the first team. Jeremy Roach also made the first team, along with Isaiah Wong of Miami, Jaden Gardner of Virginia, and Terquavion Smith of NC State. I'll just say right away that a team that didn't make the semis in NC State probably doesn't deserve to have a player on the first team. Terquavion Smith had one great game where he scored 30 points. His other game, he wasn't that great. I don't know how he got first team, but okay, whatever. The second team, Jordan Miller of Miami, Armand Franklin of Virginia, a guy who, by the way, we did not talk enough about what a job Mark Mitchell did on Armand Franklin. That dude was, here, here. He was unbelievable in Virginia's first couple of games and then did next to nothing against Mark Mitchell in the Duke defense. Also on the second team, Reese Beekman, R.J. Davis of North Carolina, and Derek Lively of Duke. So here's what I wanted to mention. Derek Lively makes the second team all-tournament team for the ACC tournament. He averaged 8.3 points per game, 4.7 rebounds per game, 2.3 blocks per game is, is good, but like you look at those stats and you're like, what is this guy doing on the all-tournament team? 
I mean, Tyrese Proctor averaged 10 and a half points per game and six assists per game. Hunter Tyson and PJ Hall both had really nice games for Clemson. Clemson doesn't get a single guy on the first or second team, even though they made the semis. You know, what's going on here? It's because Derek Lively's defense was so apparent. It goes beyond statistics. There's no question he's on the second team. In fact, I would argue you could almost take Terquavion Smith off the first team, put Derek Lively on the first team, and it, and no one would bat an eye because that's what a difference his defense was. It, it's great you bring this up, Jason, for two reasons. One, uh, they asked John Shire about this today uh, during the selection show, and he was like, Derek Lively and I have had a lot of, of one-on-one time to, mm-hmm. to make him better this season and to readjust his attitude from, you know, being – the uh from being like the top prospect last year to now accepting what's basically like a a role player type job like he's he's in the starting lineup but he's not he's not the focal point of the offense uh but he's he's playing this astounding role on defense so that was the first thing the second is when you reflect back on these games i feel like the whole commentary throughout all the games when duke was on defense was okay just pay attention to where derek lively is they won't take shots from there like if he's on the perimeter, they're not taking shots. At, like they're trying to draw him out so they don't have to get their shot blocked. But he is moving in a way and, and has so much length that makes it very hard for most college players to to adjust to what he's doing. Like Virginia's guards, who are very shifty, uh, were getting into the lane and then being like, oh, 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 no, I can't, I can't do my regular thing here. Uh, I would like, I'd like to see all the clips in practice of uh, Jeremy Roach trying all of his uh, going to the basket trickery against. Derek Lively. I feel like there have been some good, uh, some good matchups there. I, I think just for me, I'm glad that something has come about where at least the ACC is recognizing those things that stats can't cover, right? Like, like, like we've talked about all year, the number of times that we would give a half block to Derek Lively for some of the shots that he altered or some of the shots that he clearly like made, made sure was not going to go in. Like, those things can't be counted and they can't be, they're not quantified. And so the fact that they are basically honored him for the, the, you know, the unquantifiable, if you will, uh, I think is great. So, so congratulations to him. He had a great tournament. I, I liked that uh, Duke men's basketball Twitter. They're like, yo, we had, we had Proctor and, and Mark Mitchell on our team too. Um, Cause they all, I think everyone contributed. And I think all those guys would be the first to say like, yes, flip was the man flip was the MVP, but it was a total team effort to get, this team over the hump and win the ACC tournament. I've got the ESPN selection show still on. Same. Uh, Alfonso Ellis just picked uh, Duke to lose to Alabama in the final four. All so. of them have, all of them have Duke in the final four. Jay Billis actually has us losing in the title game to UConn. So everyone okay, else has, I, I looked down, four. I looked down during that. So yeah, uh, it, it almost, it almost makes me nervous that, that everyone believes can, in Duke right now. <laughs> can, can I just say like two weeks ago, this would have been laughable. Right, I'm not crazy. I still kind of laugh at it, but you're right. It's 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 it's, a, it's one of those like, <laughs> wait, that's that that's plausible. The idea that every pundit is picking Duke to make the Final Four two weeks ago would have seemed like a joke. You would have been like, no way. They're looking at a seven or an eight seed, and uh, and and they'll be a trendy pick to get knocked out by the ten, you know, the the, the nine or the ten that they're playing. Mm-hmm. And here we are. Everyone's like, they should have been a four. They're playing like a two. And I'm picking them to make the final four. <laughs> it's uh, uh, I'm, I'm, also I'm okay shout out, it. shout out. Um, I, I know this is going to not be on our show, but the women's selection show uh, bracket show is about to start. So hopefully uh, 
uh, Kara Lawson and, and the and the ladies uh, get a good spot there. I'll be lo- looking forward to watching where they end up. All right, with that, we're going to wrap it up here. Uh, just so everybody knows, uh, if your podcast feed, if you feel like, gosh, there's a lot of Duke basketball content hitting my feed today, that is because we're going to be very busy over the next few days. As we've mentioned, episode 500 coming tomorrow will be our interview with Kenny Denard, the dog. He is always, always an interviewing an, uh, an interesting, funny, great interview. We're really looking forward to that. I'll go ahead and spoil it. Guys, can I say who we're going to interview on Tuesday? Of course. If you want to look, if you want to do it and and risk the the jinx that something goes wrong and we don't get it, fine. But go ahead. <laughs> who are we on... supposed to who are we supposed to interview on Tuesday? On Tuesday, yeah, we're supposed to interview Carlos Boozer of the ACC Network, father of a, a very impressive, a pair of very impressive high school recruits and a former Blue Devil. We will be talking to Carlos. Uh, he's, by the way, going to talk a little bit about uh, a, a NCAA tournament picking contest that he's involved with. And then on Wednesday, we'll be back in your feed again to discuss our preview of Oral Roberts and what Duke will be facing as uh, you know as we begin to embark on the NCAA tournament. So all that is coming at you in the next few days. Be ready for a lot of DBR content. I'm Jason. He's Sam. He's Donald. Thanks so much for tuning in. Do not forget to write to us, dbrpodcast at gmail.com. We love those emails. Now is the time to like and subscribe. If you have not liked and subscribed, what are you doing? Why are you still listening to me? You should be clicking the buttons right now so that you like and subscribe to the DBR podcast. All right. Again, for Donald and Sam, I'm Jason. Thanks for joining us. Here's the Duke band to play us out and take us home. So I'm I'm so screwed. So I thought I thought that my wife and I were going to get pokey bar, some pokey for dinner tonight. Uh, instead, at the last minute, we sort of went, oh, you know what we haven't done in a while? We haven't done sushi at home. Like I, I make really good sushi rice. We do sushi at home. There's this there's this farmer's market near us that is has just incredible, fabulous sushi grade. It's all, you know, it's perfect fish. Mm-hmm. Every time we do it, I think, ah, I can get this prepped. I can get this done. I can make the rice and cut the fish and everything in like a half hour. I'm always wrong. <laughs> always. <laughs> it's like, I should just know. Like, I thought, oh, we're recording this at 730. I'll have plenty of time to get dinner. Literally, my plate of of dumplings and sushi is getting, well, the sushi's not getting cold. The dumplings are getting cold next to me. I've had like two dumplings. It's just, it's it's all my fault. It's all my fault. And my wife, my poor wife is sitting here she can't talk to me during dinner. She is eating her sushi in silence so that we can do this podcast. Wow. Well, first of all, hi. Hey, Kathy. Hi. <laughs> so let's get started so you can get back to your dumplings. Because I have dumplings too. <laughs> yeah. I told you I'm trying to get out of here quickly. So let's let's do it. Let's-